0: this is the cato daily podcast for thursday april 26 2018 i'm caleb brown a border summit between north and south korea will set the stage for a planned meeting between north korean dictator kim jong-un and donald trump what will a successful meeting look like given what north korea says it's willing to put on the table eric gomez a foreign policy analyst at the cato institute discusses the implications of this week's meeting Do do we have a real clear picture of what led up to this?
1: Well, it seems like Trump's maximum pressure strategy uh, kind of spooked the South Koreans pretty bad uh, late last year. And so when Kim Jong-un in a New Year's address said that um, he would be open to talking with the South and also, uh, you know, participating in the Olympics, uh, Moon Jae-in, the president of South Korea, Korea, really jumped at that opportunity. And um, started getting the wor- getting the things in order that have led us to this point. Um, I think it's important to remember that Moon's efforts at diplomacy really had the effect of bringing the Kim and uh, Trump summit together in the first place.
0: All right. So, what about Kim's uh, visit to China?
1: Yeah. So, I think that was my suspicion is that that was uh, arranged earlier. I think that was decided uh, that the Chinese would do that back during their party summit um, or party conference back in late 2017. But then with the announcements of the summits uh, for the South Korea, North Korea and uh, North Korea United States summits, uh, they sort of pulled up the timeline um, and tried to make sure that, you know, they, that Kim met with Xi Jinping first um, to make sure that they were sort of on the same page and to make sure that uh, Kim didn't um, sort of get ahead of China too far.
0: All right. So, what are you expecting here? You know, in a in a normal situation of, of meetings of two high level world leaders um, uh, who have not met before, as far no sitting U.S. president's ever been to North Korea. Um, so, what do we know about what has to happen between now and then to make sure that uh, you know, think people aren't misunderstood that. This event goes off as smoothly, and everybody concedes what they need to concede and gets what they want to get.
1: Well, I think the first step is going to be seeing what happens in the inter-Korean summit that's happening uh, on April 27th, this upcoming Friday. Um, that is going to really set a lot of the stage for the Trump summit later on. Uh, we're gonna, we should get a better sense of. What are the South Koreans actually willing to talk about? What are they willing to put on the table? Um, so far, we've heard a lot of rumors about what they're kind of willing to do, but most of it has come secondhand from the South Koreans uh, and not from the North Koreans themselves. So that should be an important uh, test to see, you know, are the, sort of, are the South Koreans telling the truth here? I, th- I mean, I think they are. I don't think they're lying to us, but uh, they might be overly optimistic to make sure the summit goes off without a hitch. Um the other thing is just that, you know, I think it's going to be important for both the United States and North Korea not to do anything provocative. Uh, the good news is that Kim is pretty um has been pretty open about not doing a missile test or not doing another nuclear test. I think he's serious about that. Um so now it's sort of up to Trump to keep a level head and I think that he's pretty invested in having this summit happen too. Um so that's the good news. Uh now we gotta you know iron out the diplomatic details, where is this thing gonna happen, who's gonna go, um, who's gonna talk when, that sort of stuff. Um and then I think you know, once the summit does happen, then the key thing will be what gets agreed to, um, what concessions can both sides sort of live with. And also a final point is the timing. Um and, and you know, I think this is a big area of concern is that I think Trump is going in with this sense of, you know, deal making and getting something big worked out right away. But I think Kim might be coming at this more from an incremental approach and getting sort of smaller concessions over time. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see how these two expectations sort of bump up against one another. And can you get actually an agreement that these two guys can live with and then implement? Um
0: My question uh, related to this is: How important is it that uh, South Korea and China be have a an outsized role here relative to the United States?
1: Well, I don't think I don't know if China's role could be characterized as outsized at this point Um, in terms of you know. The China-North Korea relationship was deteriorating pretty badly in 2016 and 2017. And I think what we're seeing now uh, with Kim going to Beijing and also uh, some greater outreach on the part of the Chinese is that a desire to sort of smooth over some things um, and make sure that the relationship isn't as antagonistic. Um, I said something earlier about them being on the same page. That might have been a misstatement on my part. Um, I'm not sure if it's about being on the same page so much as it's about she um, and China conveying to Kim what their interests are um, to make sure that Sh- Kim is informed. Now, whether or not China can actually influence beyond that, I think is, is up for debate. Um, on the South Korea side, I mean, you know, this is the real key of is Trump's pressure campaign working? Because um, a lot of pundits, especially on the right, have been giving Trump a lot of success and praise for his pressure campaign, uh, bringing Kim to the table. But if you look at what Kim has actually said and done, he doesn't really seem to be backed into a corner. He seems more confident in the state of his uh, weapons development and you know, where he is at now, that he feels confident that he can reach out and have a negotiation. And the South really initiated this current round of diplomacy um, out of some fear, uh, about what the U.S. was going to do and the tenor of what the U.S. was saying towards North Korea. They were pretty, you know, the South was pretty worried about a conflict breaking out. Uh, and I think going forward, it's going to be important for Trump to realize that, you know, if I think the best chance for a successful negotiated process and all this is going to have to take The South Koreans into account. I think South Korea could live with, for example, some troop reductions if it led to denuclearization in North Korea. But it's going to be important that Trump and the South stay on the same page. um, So that way, you know, any decisions that get made, get made together and don't leave anyone hanging.
0: If this goes well, and if uh, basically every party is equally somewhat dissatisfied with the result, which is what happens in negotiations, Um, it seems to me that the U S should try to not take a victory lap that is let, let China and South Korea, the, the, the neighbors of North Korea really, uh, have this one in a way.
1: Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's important that whatever happens that the U S doesn't sort of get out ahead of itself and, um, Trump do or say something that kind of endangers the process, but you know, I, I think that, yeah, China and, and South Korea need to be an active part of this. And um, you know, since they're in the region, you know, they're they're the permanent neighbors of North Korea, uh, they're gonna have more at stake here. Um so yeah, I I think you're you're right that it's important to remember their role in all this. Um but you know, also important that uh all sides can kind of get to a situation that they're happy with, which might prove very difficult uh, because of the different overarching competing interests
0: involved. Eric Gomez is a foreign policy analyst at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast at iTunes and Google Play and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.